Hi, this is Kendall Boyson, professional life and recovery coach, and you're listening to Encouragementology, the practice of instilling hope. Hi there. Thanks for joining me. On this show, we aren't accepting cheesy smiles, phony laughs, or the ever-so-popular response, I'm fine. Faking happy just takes way too much work. Instead of faking it until you make it, let's try and understand what it really is. And how do you know when you've arrived at it so you can wipe that silly look off your face? If being nice is easier than being nasty, and smiling takes less effort than frowning, doesn't it stand to reason that being happy is more rewarding than faking it? Okay, let's go with that. Ready to call your bluff and start getting real? So we've all been guilty of faking it from time to time, right? You're in an uncomfortable situation and needing to create the illusion that you're having a good time or are totally relaxed. You might have some coworkers that grate on your last nerve, yet it's better to hide your distaste and soldier on. This too shall pass, right? But we're talking about happiness here and not being happy in a fleeting moment, but truly living a joy-filled life. If you're faking that, then we have some work to do. Wait, that's why you've been faking it? Because it takes too much work? Au contraire, mon frere. You have things switched around. It takes way more work to fake it. And might I say, with little success. Wouldn't it feel better to just give in to joy and succumb to the smile it produces? I think it's possible, and I know you deserve that kind of joie de vivre. Elizabeth Scott tells us when faking positivity reduces stress and when it backfires in an article she wrote for VeryWellMind.com. You may have heard the advice, fake it until you make it which is often applied to business or overall self-confidence. This popular rhyming advice can also be applied to happiness-inducing, stress-relieving activities like forcing a smile, pushing yourself to be outgoing, or repeating positive affirmations. But do these activities work or can they backfire? Here are some research-backed situations when faking it works and examples of when it can do more harm than good. Fake a smile. Who hasn't done that? You may have heard recommendations both ways. Plastering a smile when you feel unhappy can make you feel worse, and a fake smile can lead to a real one. You may have even heard of research that backs up both positions. So which is it? Actually, in a way, both of these things are true, and in the situation, it's a bit complex. When you smile as a way to repress upset feelings, you can make yourself feel worse. We all sometimes do this when we need to, you know, in order to be socially acceptable. And some research actually does suggest that forcing a smile can even help depressed people feel better. But if you always cope with unhappiness by forcing a smile and pretending to be not upset, this can create other problems. It can feel inauthentic, and it can be part of a greater pattern of not dealing with your feelings, 
if you fake a smile so those close to you, those who could offer you support, don't know that anything's wrong, this can keep you from getting social support that could make you actually feel better. Smile when you need to, but let yourself be real when you can and process your feelings. If you're feeling neutral or just slightly down, smiling can help. One study asked subjects to fake smiles and measured how they felt after a few minutes of this. Results showed a boost in positive feelings as a result of the smiling. In these cases, the fake smiles tend to lead to real ones. Researchers believe that this is because the mind and the body communicate. Psychologically, we infer our attitudes by watching our actions as an observer would. You can intensify an emotion by physically expressing it. Another study had subjects hold a pencil in their teeth to activate the same muscles that are required for smiling. They wanted to see if the very act of smiling might create positive feelings or if people, when forcing a smile, would think of things that made them happy and those thoughts lead to real smiles. This would mean that the boost in positive feelings would be due to the happy thoughts rather than the act of smiling itself. Interestingly, even the subjects who were smiling because they were holding a pencil in their teeth found themselves feeling more positive as a result. Now, just to complicate things, another series of studies found that our beliefs about smiles can also make a difference here. Research from Northwestern University found that those who think of smiles as a reflection of their good mood can find themselves feeling happier when they smile more frequently. But those who see smiling as a cause of happiness rather than the result of it find that more frequent smiling actually has the opposite effect. The key here is that if you think your smiles are something that you do because you're in a good mood, smiling more often should make you feel better. If you think of it as something that you're only doing to feel better, you might not get the same positive boost. The important thing to remember is that real smiles are preferable, even though both types can bring benefits. If you can think of things that can genuinely make you happy as a way to change your outlook and make yourself feel like smiling, that is ideal. But if you can't get yourself to that kind of happy place in seconds, faking a smile is a simple shortcut that might work. Aside from the emotional and health benefits of smiling, there are stress management benefits as well. One of the most significant is that when you wear a positive expression, it can be contagious. Smile and the world smiles back. Walking around with everyone responding more positively to you can lead you to more genuine smiles all day long. The verdict? Fake it but only under certain conditions. If you fake a smile to give yourself a boost of positivity, this generally works well if you think of a smile as a reflection of your good mood. If you fake a smile to keep from dealing with your feelings 
or the things that make you sad, or if you think of a forced smile only as a trick to make you happy, this can make you feel worse in the long run. And if you can make yourself feel like smiling, well, that's the best route to take. What about fake affirmation? Positive affirmations are wildly recommended in some self-help circles. In a sense, they are a method of faking beliefs about yourself and your life in an attempt to make those beliefs more of a permanent reality. The recommendations of the early 2000s best-selling book, The Secret, are based in part on the effectiveness of positive affirmations. But affirmations are recommended by many other best-selling self-help books, as well as they've gained quite the following in the recent years. Affirmations can be likened to personal mantras and are recommended to be repeated as a way to reprogram one's subconscious mind to replace negative beliefs with more affirming ones. But do they work? Some people say that those who repeat affirmations over and over are simply fooling themselves. That they're inactive or even damaging because of their self-delusion. Are they right? Interestingly, when it comes to affirmations, the naysayers have a point. Research has actually shown that positive affirmations can actually backfire in certain situations. More specifically, when people repeat affirmations that they do not truly believe or that are even the opposite of what they truly believe, the subconscious mind rejects these affirmations and actually becomes more resistant to the ideas and more stressed as a result. So in this way, the wrong affirmations really can do more harm than good. The key here is that more damaging affirmations are those that people repeat when they're the opposite of what they really think, or at least significantly far from their true beliefs. This isn't true for affirmations that repeat what people believe to be true already, or that people believe could be true. This is an important distinction between affirmations that align with one's true beliefs really do work in strengthening these beliefs and expanding upon them. But positive affirmations that align with how you really think can have a powerful, positive effect. An example of an affirmation that would backfire for someone who's dealing with discomfort about their appearance, I am the most beautiful woman in the world. Because it's so far off from how the woman actually feels about herself, her subconscious mind would put up a fight and the affirmation would create stress without creating positive change. A better option would be, I am beautiful enough, or I am beautiful inside and out. If the woman were attempting a healthier diet and balanced exercise schedule, she may create affirmations to support this, like, I'm working towards greater health and beauty every day, or I'm getting stronger, I'm getting healthier, and eventually, I'm strong, I'm healthy, I am beautiful. So here are some more examples. Unrealistic. I am at complete and total inner peace. What would be a more realistic affirmation? I'm working toward feeling at peace 
or I'm becoming more peaceful. Here's an unrealistic one. I am strong and nothing hurts me. Can you see how that might be damaging? Here's a more realistic approach. I am getting stronger and can weather this challenge or I will overcome these obstacles. How about an unrealistic one about perfection? My life is perfect in every way, just as it is. Here's a more realistic approach. My life is becoming better, or I'm working toward a better life. Even better would be to list the ways in which life is becoming better. These may seem like minor distinctions, but to your subconscious mind, they're significant. And it's important to know that these are only examples. If the affirmations labeled unrealistic actually do resonate with you as true, then that's fine. Use them. If they are far off or opposite of what you really believe at this point, it's best to soften them to match the best of what you can believe about yourself and your situation at the moment. So the verdict? Be careful how you use them. Affirmations that are far from what you actually believe can backfire. Affirmations that capture the best aspects of what you already believe and build on them or move you into the right direction are key. And what about fake being outgoing? Does anybody do that? Now, I'm an extrovert, so I don't really know what that means. But I know that I have friends that, you know, have to get in the right mind space to be in large crowds and you know, get themselves ready to engage in so much conversation. Chit-chat, little chit-chat. Research shows that extroverts are actually happier than their introverted counterparts. Hmm, I did not make that up. They're also more successful in life. What? (laughs) This can feel like bad news for those who naturally tend toward introversion as the tendency to be more or less extroverted is something that we are born with. However, the good news is that we can shift these tendencies on purpose by consciously acting extroverted in certain situations, and research has backed this up. In one study, researchers asked introverts and extroverts alike to act extroverted and found that introverts and extroverts alike experienced a boost in happiness. In the context of this research, Acting extroverted means acting confident and outgoing in a social situation that lasts around an hour. This is distinct from pushing yourself to change your full nature. Introverts need more downtime after social interactions. For example, and it would be exhausting for an introvert not to allow for this. If you're more introverted, you may benefit from acting more confident and outgoing in certain social situations, not only because you will likely connect with more people and expand your social resources, but because you will have a good time, boost your happiness, and in turn, minimize your stress levels in the process. If this sounds unrealistic to you, I'll point you to another interesting study that shows you're not alone in this idea. This research asks introverts to predict how happy they would feel by acting extroverted, and they consistently 
underestimated how good it would feel to act more extroverted than they felt. This may be part of why the more reserved among us have a difficult time coming out of their shells. Not only does it take effort, but they're not sure that the reward is worth the effort. Rest assured, if you give it a try, you will likely be glad you did. This is just one effective way to relieve stress if you're an introvert. So the verdict? Fake it. (laughs) Behaving like an extrovert in certain social situations can help both introverts and extroverts feel happier. The bottom line. Usually the phrase, fake it until you make it, can apply to being in a good mood. There are certain conditions where your subconscious mind knows you're faking it and it won't be fooled. If you can move toward feeling happier and less stressed with an extra smile when you may not have thoughts of smiling, a repetition of a positive thought that you actually believe, or an internal push towards friendlier behavior, do it. If this feels too fake for you and you start to feel worse, try another positive boosting activity instead. Now, I'm usually genuinely happy. I'm not sure where it comes from, really. I mean, I've seen my share of trials and tribulations. For some reason, I don't get down too often and not for long. I feel like this is a gift, which is one of the reasons I began encouragementology. I don't have to fake it, but instead find joy in encouraging others. This isn't to say, look at me, I'm always happy, but to say when you feel it, you should share it with others. It's not a matter of bucking up or getting over something so you can feel happier. For some people, it just takes longer and may not come without a little help. Noticing someone, connecting, listening, and encouraging can contribute to the health and well-being in such a big way. And guess what? It's free and easy to do. In fact, you benefit too. But some people might not be good at faking it. So instead of reaching out, you might think, nah, they seem like they have it all together, when in reality, they're struggling. With social media being so widely used for communication and to chronicle our day-to-day, Posting and saying only what we want people to perceive has become a trend. The best we have to offer or radically posting cryptic messages of distress. It's so hard to uncover what is real and what is fake. more helps us see through the lens with five ways to tell you're faking happiness in an article for happyfy.com. Although pop culture would gladly have you believe otherwise, being truly satisfied with your life can be an immensely difficult thing to achieve. This makes meeting such a goal more pressure-filled than it really should be. For this reason, many people resort to faking happiness to those around them. How can you tell if you're doing the same thing? Here are five signs that may suggest you're not as happy as you pretend to be on the outside. Telltale sign number one. Giant mood swings are a normal thing for you. 
Do you easily switch between being joyful, lively, and excited to sadness, anger, or frustration? For some individuals, this type of behavior could even be an indication of something bigger. Experiencing giant mood swings doesn't necessarily mean that you're suffering from a mental illness, but it may be helpful to notice whether this is a tendency for you. While being genuinely happy doesn't mean you have to keep your mood up all the time, that's impossible, frequently going from one extreme to the other can be an indication that there are issues you may not be addressing properly. Telltale sign number two, you're tired all the time. It's normal to experience periods of stress when you feel more fatigued than usual. But if you're tired all the time, it can be a sign of a medical problem. You know, like diabetes, sleep apnea, psychological issues, or poor lifestyle choices. Lots of different things. But things are far less clear-cut when speaking about mental health. For example, fatigue is a common symptom for those struggling with anxiety and depression. If you find yourself constantly insisting that you're fine and cheerful, but you're tired all the time, it could be a sign of something more. Telltale sign number three, when you're trying too hard to show others how great your life is. When you act like you're content with your life just to make those around you jealous, your happiness may be a facade. For example, if you spend more than half of your vacation taking and editing photos for your social media account instead of soaking in your new surroundings, you might be doing it primarily to show your peers how much better your life is. A recent study conducted by the University of Pittsburgh across 11 social media sites, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, discovered that heavy users of these sites are far more likely to be lonely and unhappy than lighter users are. In fact, their chances increase by three times if they visit these networks more than 58 times per week. So if your sole satisfaction in life comes from showing others how great it is, you're clearly missing the point. Promoting a false sense of superiority both online and offline is a clear indicator that you aren't truly enjoying those seemingly amazing moments in your life. Telltale sign number four. You're totally isolated from others. It's no secret that some individuals are more social than others, and there's nothing wrong with craving solo time. However, constantly making excuses to push people away can be a sign that you're faking your happiness and trying to avoid being called out on it. People in this situation usually lie to themselves and insist they're better off on their own. I like my alone time. If you frequently find yourself going down this road and using this exact reasoning or variations of it, you might need to press the reset button and start over. That sounds hard, but it doesn't have to be. Make an effort to make new friends or reconnect with those you've lost touch with. Studies even show that being socially isolated can damage our health in the long run. By challenging yourself to stay more connected to those around you, you can stop pretending to be happy and start feeling genuinely satisfied instead. 
Putting yourself out there isn't easy, but it is worth it. Tell tell sign number five. You're abusing alcohol or other substances. Self-medicating behavioral patterns clearly indicate a deeper hidden issue. Coping with anxiety or life issues through social drinking might imply the existence of a bigger problem. Sometimes the people whom others see as the life of the party aren't necessarily the happiest person in the room. In fact, they can be far from it. Research on this topic has uncovered that the onset of illicit drug use and alcohol consumption among teens is linked to a co-occurring mental illness and can even be a symptom of it. If you're prone to overdoing it during your family night outings, you might not truly be enjoying yourself, but instead medicating a hidden hurt. Faking happiness isn't always a sign of mental illness, but it can be. The important thing is to evaluate your life and figure out exactly why you're pretending. Who are you doing it for? Is there a deeper issue behind it? On top of that, think about the five signs mentioned. How many of them have you checked off and to what extent? Coming up with viable answers to all of these questions is an important step in getting better. And if you feel like this is something you can't handle yourself, don't be afraid to reach out. The right person to help you can be anyone from a trusted friend to a family member to a licensed therapist. you shouldn't leave it up to chance and instead just try and connect with everyone you encounter in some positive way. This could be from making eye contact with someone at the grocery to asking someone how their day is going to physically going out of your way to assist someone, anyone. Reaching out with a kind sentiment even if someone is actually doing well is okay too. You don't have to just look for people in need to help. Think about exercising this muscle by making connections, exuding positive energy, and encouraging everyone daily. People will remember the way you made them feel, crave to be around you, and be inspired to pass that feeling on. Remember, we're no longer faking it, but cultivating it. Over at HelpingGuide.com, We learn all about cultivating happiness from authors Melinda Smith and Dr. Jean Ann Siegel. We all want to be happy, but is becoming happier even possible? These five tips can show you how to get more joy and satisfaction out of life. Want to know the keys of happiness? Yeah, me too. Do you, like many other people, have a mental list of things you think you need in order to truly be happy? There are many externals our society teaches us to chase. Success, wealth, fame, power, good looks, romantic love. But are they really the keys to happiness? The research says no, at least when it comes to long-term happiness. A prestigious award, a big raise, an exciting new relationship, a fancy new car, losing weight, 
These things can make us feel great at first, but the thrill doesn't last very long. Human beings are quick to adapt to new circumstances, a quality that has helped us survive and thrive. But it also means that the positive things that initially make us happier soon become our new normal and we return to our old happiness baseline. Researchers in the field of positive psychology have found that you can genuinely increase your happiness and overall satisfaction with life. And it doesn't require a winning lottery ticket or some other drastic change of circumstances. What it takes is an inner change of perspective and attitude. And that's truly good news because it's something anyone can do. So here are some myths and facts about happiness. There are a lot of them out there. So before we embark on a tour of the strategies that do work for boosting happiness, let's dispense with the things that don't. Myth. Money will make you happy. Fact. It's stressful when you're worried about money. In order to be happy, you do need enough to cover your basic needs, things like food, shelter, and clothing. But once you have enough money to be comfortable, getting more money isn't going to make much of a difference in how happy you are. Studies of lottery winners show that after a relatively short period of time, they're no happier than they were before they won. Myth. You need a relationship in order to be happy. Fact. Being in a healthy, supportive, loving relationship does contribute to happiness. But it's not true that you can't be happy and fulfilled if you're single. Indeed, singles who have meaningful friendships and pursuits are happier than the people in mismatched romantic relationships. It's also important to note that even a good marriage or romantic partnership doesn't lead to a permanent, intense happiness boost. Expecting your partner to deliver your happily ever after may actually harm the relationship in the long run. You, not your partner or your family members, are responsible for your own happiness. Myth. Happiness declines with age. Fact. Contrary to popular belief, people tend to get happier with age. Study after study confirms that seniors experience more positive emotions and fewer and less intense negative emotions than young people and middle-aged adults. Generally, older adults are also more satisfied with their lives, less sensitive to stress, and more emotionally stable. Even with the losses that come with age, it's the happiest time of your life for many people. Myth. Some people are just happier than others, and there's nothing you can do about that. Fact. Genetics do play a role in happiness. Current research suggests that people are born with a certain happiness set point. But that only accounts for about half of our happiness level. Another 10% is due to life circumstances. That leaves 40% that is determined by your actions and choices. And that's a lot of control. So tip number one, train your brain to be more positive. Our brains are wired to notice and remember the things that are wrong. It's a survival mechanism that helped keep our cave-dwelling ancestors safe in the world where there were many physical threats. But in today's comparatively safe world, 
these biological predispositions to focus on the negative contributes to stress and unhappiness. While we can't change our nature, we can train our brains to be more positive. This doesn't mean putting on a smiley face and whistling a happy tune no matter what's going on. You don't have to ignore reality to pretend things are wonderful even when they're not. But just as dwelling on negative fuels unhappiness, choosing to notice and appreciate and anticipate goodness is a powerful happiness booster. What about expressing gratitude? We hear a lot about gratitude. Teaching yourself to become more grateful can make a huge difference in your overall happiness. The research shows that gratitude helps you experience more positive emotions, decrease depression, feel better about yourself, improve your relationship, and strengthen your immune system. A recent study revealed that gratitude even makes you smarter about how you spend your money. There are a number of simple exercises you can practice to increase and cultivate an attitude of gratitude. Give sincere thanks to others. When someone goes above and beyond and does something to make your day easier, be quick to verbalize your thanks and appreciation. Not only will it make the person feel good, it will give you a happiness lift too. It's an instant reward to see how expressing gratitude makes a positive difference in someone else's day. It makes you realize that we're all connected and that what you do matters. Have you ever tried keeping a gratitude journal? It may sound cheesy, but writing down the good things that happen to you during the day really does work. Research shows that keeping a gratitude journal is a powerful technique that instantly makes you feel happier, more connected to others, and genuinely appreciative. Your mama always said it, count your blessings. Make it a habit to regularly reflect on things you have to be thankful for. Bring to mind all the good people, experiences, and things in your life both now and in the past. Focus on the blessings, both big and small, from the people who love you, to the roof you have over your head, to the food on your table. You will soon see it's a pretty big long list. Write a letter of gratitude. Think of someone who did something that changed your life for the better, who you never properly thanked. Write a thoughtful letter of gratitude expressing what the person did, how it affected you, and what it still means to you. Then deliver the letter. Positive psychology expert Martin Seldman recommends reading the letter in person for the most dramatic increase in happiness. Find the positive in a negative event from your past. Even the most painful circumstances can teach us a positive lesson. Reevaluate a negative event from your past with an eye of what you learned or how you became stronger, wiser, or more compassionate. When you can find meaning in even the bad things you've experienced, you'll be happier and more grateful. Tip number two. Nurture and enjoy your relationships. Relationships are one of the biggest sources of happiness in our lives. The happier the person, the more likely that he or she has a large supportive circle of family and friends, 
maybe a fulfilling marriage and a thriving social life. That's why nurturing your relationships is one of the best emotional investments you can make. If you can make an effort to cultivate and build your connections with others, you will soon reap the rewards of more positive emotions. And as you become happier, you will attract more people and higher quality relationships, leading to even more positivity and enjoyment. It's the happiness gift that keeps on giving. Make a conscious effort to stay connected. In our busy society, it's easy to get caught up in our responsibilities and neglect our relationships. But losing touch with friends is one of the most common end-of-life regrets. Don't let it happen to you. Make an effort to stay connected to the people who make your life brighter. Take the time to call, write, or see each other in person. You'll be happier for it. Invest in quality time with people you care about. It's not just the time spent with friends and family that matters. It's how you spend it. Mindlessly vegging out together in front of the TV isn't going to make you closer. People who are in happy relationships talk a lot. They share what's going on in their lives and how they feel. Offer sincere compliments. Think of things you admire and appreciate about the other person and then tell them. This will not only make the other person happier, it will encourage them to even be better. As a practice of gratitude, it will also make you value the relationship more and feel happier. How about seek out happy people? Research shows that happiness is contagious. You can literally catch a good mood. You can also catch a bad mood, but thankfully sadness is less contagious than happiness. So make an effort to seek out and spend time with happy people. Before you know it, you'll be feeling the happiness too. Take delight in the good fortune of others. One of the things that truly separate healthy, fulfilling relationships from the rest are how the partners respond to each other's good fortune and success. Do you show genuine enthusiasm and interest when your friend or family member experiences something good? Or do you ignore, criticize, or downplay the achievement, feel envious or threatened, or say a quick, that's great, and then move on? If you'd like a closer relationship, Pay attention when the other person is excited. Ask questions. Relive the experience with the other person and express your excitement for them. Remember, happiness is contagious. So as you share the experience, their joy will become yours. Tip number three, live in the moment and savor life's pleasures. Think about a time when you were depressed or anxious. Chances are you were either dwelling on something negative from the past or worrying about something in the future. When you focus on the present moment, you are much more likely to feel centered, happy, and at peace. You're also much more likely to notice the good things that are happening rather than letting them pass by unappreciated or unobserved. So how do you start to live more in the moment and savor the good? How about meditation? Mindfulness meditation is a powerful technique for learning to live and enjoy the moment. Notice and savor small pleasures. 
If you adopt a mindfulness meditation practice, you will automatically begin to notice and savor all that life has to offer. Adopt enjoyable daily rituals. Build moments of enjoyment into your day with pleasurable rituals. These can be very simple things like lingering over a cup of coffee in the morning, taking a short stroll in the sunshine during your lunch hour, or playing with your dog when you get home. Minimize your multitasking. Savoring requires your full attention, which is impossible when you're trying to do multiple things. Stop and smell the roses. It may be old and cliche, but it's good advice. You'll appreciate good things more if you stop whatever you're doing for a moment and appreciate them. Sound easy enough? Never as easy as it should be, but part of the joy in self-discovery is learning what you're capable of. New ideas, strategies, and experiences are what shape us as we grow. Evolving is about embracing new and letting go of old, and it's continual. I hope you find the joy in the journey. If you want to share Encouragementology with a friend who needs to know they are not alone in this journey of self-discovery, you can visit Encouragementology.com or anywhere you stream your content to receive this episode and all others. Follow us on Facebook for additional encouragement throughout the week. So I challenge you, before you plaster on the fake smile and buck up to endure the next uncomfortable situation, make a promise to yourself to squelch the sham and find ways to elicit true happiness and joy, both of which deserve more than just a temporary appearance in your life, but a cherished and ongoing role. I know you can do it. Thank you for listening to Encouragementology with Kendall Boyson, where we find positive ways to handle some of life's challenges. Somewhere through until the path was clear. That's when I found you. How I